Hello, welcome back to Unqualified Analysis, the show that is back. We're back, we're here, we're doing sports talk, and I'll tell you what, we have made it, ladies and gentlemen. This is the final episode before the season that is football. The football season, if you will, gets underway. Clap it up. Look at that echo. Listen to that echo. Man, we made it. We made it, folks. Football's back. We just had games this past weekend. Oh, my goodness. It is great. We, we made it, folks. I cannot believe we made it all this way, all the way to football season. We got college football coming this weekend. We got NFL the following week, this Thursday. What's that? Three days in the future from when I'm recording this right now. Two days in the future from when you're ideally listening to this directly after it drops on Tuesday night. Well, Tuesday morning, really. Very early morning. Midnight Tuesday. Mark it on your calendars and go listen to it. If you're not already listening to it right now at 12.01, that's when you need to be listening to it. But just two days in the future from when this is coming out, we have got Florida at Utah, the real official start of college football season. We don't really count week zero. It didn't, doesn't really matter. Uh, none of the games are really good outside of Ohio, San Diego State, where they were getting in the full action mood over there. Uh, I digress on that front, though. We have got an absolutely loaded, jam-packed show to, for you tonight. I am coming off maybe the most stressful day of work I've had thus far, and I'm just punch drunk right now. I am... I'm so amped. I'm so ready to go. I am disturbing my dog right now. She is absolutely perturbed as to what's going on. Probably going to leave the area here soon because I'm being so loud and boisterous, and she doesn't like that very much. She, she'd like to go someplace where it's a little bit quieter, but I can't calm down because it's fucking football season, guys. I'm two minutes into the podcast. Already used the fuck word. I don't even care, man. Football is... <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is back, and I am so damn pumped. We made it through the offseason. One more episode right here to go before we are right in the thick of talking about football. Getting back to, eh, maybe I'll push it another week, the two episodes a week. Maybe I'll just do college football next week. But you know what? I could also just do two episodes next week. Well, that'll be a nice little surprise for y'all. Will I do two episodes next week or will it just be one episode? Who's to say? But this week, I got a good one for y'all. I'm going to do a little bit of a lightning round sort of thing. I'm going through all five of the Power Five conferences, every single team, giving you a quick preview of every single team in those conferences, uh, maybe give you a little idea of who I think is going to win each conference in my uh, totally amateur, unqualified opinion, and then uh, we'll go from there. But first and foremost, before we get to that, and hopefully that won't take me two hours, um, let's talk talk about a few quick headlines right out of the gate, because there was a few things that happened over the past week in the NFL world we got to get to before we just plunge face first into football, the college football variety. Let's get her going. So first and foremost, um, only a couple. I'm sure there's more I could get to. It's like roster cut down days, I guess you could say, in football. Uh, there, there's no more phased roster cut downs. They, they just go from like 90 however many to 53 over the course of, of a couple days. So there there's a dizzying amount of moves going on right now. Hey, Isaiah Rogers, you may at last remember him of failing the idiot test of all idiot tests. Uh, he just got picked up by the Eagles, actually. He won't play this year. He will be suspended because he gambled on a Colts game last year as a member of the Colts. But 
good enough to get on a team once again. I would not have anticipated that. Would have thought his career is over, but hey, he gets a second chance. Uh, a team that's probably going to need him going forward too, being a being a safety. Uh, maybe they get somebody in there next year. Maybe they don't. If they don't, they got Isaiah Rodgers just sitting there, versatile defender in the secondary. You know. Assuming that he does not once again gamble on NFL games uh, or gamble on different sports while in a facility or a team hotel on the road, you get it. He's back with the team now, that being the Philadelphia Eagles. Not a headline I had written down, but, you know, one that came across the timeline today while I was just drowning in work. Thought I'd mention it here, but one thing I did put down, uh, Isaiah Simmons, you may remember him playing... A position on the defense with the Cardinals, drafted very highly, uh, could never figure out if he was a linebacker or a defensive back. Uh, that's going to be the Giants' problem now. They traded him to the Giants for basically a bag of balls, like a seventh-round pick or something like that. Uh, my, my read on that was he was going to be cut by the Cardinals. Uh, it's just a matter of who wants this guy before we kick him out on his ass and you have to go through the waiver wire and uh, take your chances with that. The Giants said, hey, bring him over here. Wink Martindale can do something with this guy. He'll probably be blitzing on just about every down that he is on the field. If I had to imagine, Wink will, Wink will find something to do with Isaiah Simmons. He seems to be a type of uh, athlete that he can do something with. So see how that works out. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Cardinals are going full meltdown right now. Uh, they just cut Colt McCoy. Uh, they'll be starting either uh, rookie Clayton Toon or Josh Dobbs, who they just traded for over the course of the week as well. A lot of stuff going on. Um, not a whole lot with an eye on this season. Also, by the way, Kyler Murray, not exactly a surprise starting the season on the PUP list. So the Cardinals, I mean... Trying to separate from the pack as far as earning that number one overall pick this year. We'll see if they can do it. The the Buccaneers are going to be nipping at their heels if I had to uh, if I had to guess off the top of my head. There you go though. Away from the Cardinals though. Uh, big uh, headline dominating thing from over the weekend. Excuse me as I just burp right into the mic, leaving me on a cliffhanger there. Woo, excuse me. Niners traded Trey Lance, former number three overall pick, who they traded three first-round picks to trade up for to the Cowboys for mid-draft compensation. It's a fourth-rounder in next year's draft. Uh, that puts the cap on maybe the most disastrous draft decision that did not completely tank a team. Like You can, see, you can find more disastrous draft decisions in the past. I mean, Ryan Leaf, uh, Jamarcus Russell... RG3, that kind of torpedoed the entire organization there in Washington. It's not very often that you find a guy where you gave up so much draft capital, moved all the way up in the draft to take him, presume he's your franchise quarterback, but you still make the NFC Championship just a couple years down the road. You're a playoff team every single year with him not even sniffing the starting lineup in the back half of the season. It is incredible how much they gave up uh, and we're still one of the most elite rosters in all of football. A Super Bowl roster probably could have made the Super Bowl if Mr. Irrelevant from last year, Brock Purdy, had stayed healthy throughout that entire thing. But, uh, man, what a what a, a journey for Trey Lance so far. Uh, got a injury in practice, I believe, in his rookie year to uh, his finger, either finger or wrist, something like that. Developed some terrible mechanical habits as a result. Had to completely break down his throwing motion and remake it, I think, a couple times in practice as well. 
which gets you to where he's at now, where couldn't even be the second string quarterback. Couldn't even beat out Sam Darnold as the second string quarterback for this year. Uh, the 49ers have shipped him out to the Cowboys, and I don't know what the Cowboys are going to do with them. They already got Cooper Rush there as the backup, who's a solid backup. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really, you know, I, I wouldn't bump him out of the out of the second uh, string role there, but. I guess, you know, get a guy like Trey Lance in there, he's a lottery pick. Hey, maybe maybe he turns into something good and you can, you know, ship him out again for more assets. I don't see him supplanting Dak. Uh, maybe he supplants Cooper Rush at some point if he develops as planned, but I don't know what you really expect from Trey Lance with the Cowboys. I don't expect much, but this does put the capstone on maybe the most terrible draft decision that did not mean a damn thing in the grand scheme of building this team into a championship contender. Wild. Wild what happens uh, when you got Nick Boza and Frank Warner on the other side of the ball. Fred Warner, not Frank Warner. Definitely not Frank. It's a Fred over there. Best inside linebacker in all of football in all likelihood. Uh, but I digress on that front. Also, one more thing before we get into the college football preview here. Josh Jacobs. Uh, ending the most tumultuous holdout of the franchise tagged running backs. Wasn't sure if he was going to show up for the start of the season. He signs a one-year deal, which is that's all you can do at this point. Can't sign long-term deals. That deadline has passed. Uh, but you can sign a one-year deal for greater than... Uh, the great greater than the base salary of what would have been the franchise tag. He gets a deal that's worth up to $12 million with incentives, a pretty good signing bonus there as well. And he will be in the lineup for week one, ending his holdout at uh, basically the entire preseason. Smart thing to do. Don't need Josh McDaniels running into the ground. We do, we, lest we all forget last preseason when Josh McDaniels showed up in town and said, Hey, Josh, we don't think you're proven enough. Why don't you play in the Hall of Fame game? You're the only starter doing it, but go ahead and play. We, we really value you at the running back position. Josh Jacobs didn't forget, and that's why he, he ran this thing all the way up until the final preseason game. Once that final preseason game is done, he's like, oh, okay, let's sign this thing, get this thing done, get me back into the lineup. Uh, now the lone player left holding out. Well, there's two. Uh, first off, Nick Bose is still waiting on a deal. He's going to get a massive deal at some point here. And Chris Jones incurring massive, massive unrevocable fines uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs right now. He is still holding out and has said he's willing to hold out until week eight, which is very strategic because uh, after week eight, it's not counted as a year of service, which would mean it's a year that's just void on his contract and roll over into next year. So if he wants to get this year uh, on the books and keep playing towards the end of the deal, uh, he'd have to come back by week eight. So he's willing to stay out that entire time if need be. I assume he has the pocketbook to pay all the fines that would come with staying out all of that time. That does not seem like a situation that has been uh, even remotely resolved uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, but uh, that is going to be one to watch, even more so than Nick Bosa, because I think most people, most rational observers in the NFL kind of assume Nick Bosa is going to get a deal done before week one here, and uh, since he's on his rookie deal, you can rescind all of those fines that he's incurring right now, $50,000 per day that he is not in camp. Keep that in mind. Chris Jones has to pay that. Nick Bosa, team can just rescind all those fines once they sign the deal. I mean, that being said, let's also remember they for Chris Jones, they can't rescind the fines. 
But in the course of negotiations, in good faith, the Kansas City Chiefs can just conveniently include whatever amount those fines are in the signing bonus. And then that signing bonus can just, that portion of the signing bonus can just go right to the league office and take care of those fines lickety split. Uh, but there you go. There are your headlines. I'm sure there are many, many more that I missed, but we have got so much college football to get to. We got dozens and dozens upon dozens of teams to talk about. So let's get into the college football power five preview. Let's go. And I might as well just have a, a an IV of cold caffeinated carbonated beverage directly into my veins right now. Uh, we are Less than 15 minutes into the podcast, I have already cracked open a can of my uh, my choice caffeinated beverage who does not pay me because no one pays me on this podcast. I'm a free man. Uh, that's, the, that's the positive spin on that right there. But I digress. Hopped up on caffeine. We are going through the Power Five, each conference, each team, alphabetical order of the conference, not the team. We're going kind of by standings on the teams. Um... But either way, with that alphabetical order of the conferences in mind, let's start with the ACC, shall we? And going from top to bottom, first off, we've got Clemson. They hired Garrett Riley as the new OC this offseason, and they are starting Cade Klubnick from day one. DJ Uyunglele is with the Oregon State Beavers now. Who loves? Who doesn't love talking about Beavers? I'll tell you what. We'll talk about him down the road. He's on a pretty good team now with Oregon State that may be able to utilize his talents a little bit better than whatever the offensive coordinator did last year. I think it's a pretty big consensus at this point, uh, both with Dabo Swinney and people outside of the program with Clemson, that the, the offensive coordinator hire was a mistake last year. You want to promote from within where you can, but that simply just did not work out for Dabo Swinney last year. And to his credit, he recognized that right away, replaced him with a big-time splash hire in Garrett Riley, who I don't think has had a, a below-top-10 offense in any year that he has been an offensive coordinator, be, be that either with SMU or TCU this past season. He's a rising star, and who knows how long you're going to have him. may just be a one-year rental with the way this guy is rising right now. But if Garrett Riley can show up and be as advertised – Boy, you might have a great offense on your hand. Former five-star quarterback in Cade Klubnick. Questions at receiver, but always got talent on the defensive side of the ball. Clemson's going to be right there competing for a playoff spot once again, if I had to imagine. Second up in the ACC, we got Florida State. Best team they've had since Jameis was there, bar none. And there were people trying to run Mike Norvell out of town. Did not look good to start the year last year, but boy, did they go on a, on a tear. Uh, they got Jordan Travis back for the 17th year down there in Seminole land. Uh, they got Keon Coleman out of the portal from Michigan State, best receiver on that team last year. Also a, a basketball player for Tom Izzo's Michigan State team. Uh, they've got... Uh, Countless guys on the defensive side of the ball who are just chomping at the bit to go out there. I mean, they got a very experienced team. Mike Norvell's fourth or fifth year now down there in Tallahassee. This is another team that may be even better than Clemson coming up this year. They got the experience. They got a hell of a portal class. They got a hell of a recruiting class in there as well. This could be Florida State's year to go out there and make some noise, not just in the ACC, but if they can get through the ACC, a college football playoff berth is not out of the question. And if they get through the ACC, maybe expected as well. Third, we got UNC. They have 
most likely a top two pick in the 2024 NFL draft, that being quarterback Drake May on that team. Uh, who's going to be his number one receiver? Is, or is the NCAA going to get off their high horse and let Tez Walker play? Um, you can only hope because it's bullshit that he's not out there right now. You can go look up the Tez Walker story right now. Basically, he didn't hardly play in two stops before Kent State. Last year, breaks out at Kent State and under the uh, offensive coordinator now at Colorado, Current head, well, was the former head coach last year at Kent State. You may remember, probably don't, but need I remind you, Kent State uh, went to Georgia, either went to Georgia or Georgia went to Kent State, uh, scored a bajillion points with FCS talent on the best defense in all of college football, pretty much. And that's kind of what you were getting. Uh, Tez Walker was a big time part of that. Um, didn't play it like two stops before that. And because of some weird vagaries of the transfer rules in the NCAA, they ruled him ineligible to play this year. It's bullshit. He should play. Hopefully he does get to play. Uh, that's not to say anything about the other side of the ball. I don't know who the hell is playing on the UNC defense. They were terrible last year and basically had um, all of their high star cal caliber talent uh, transfer out this offseason. There's no one really left in there. I don't imagine it's going to be that much better at UNC on the defensive side of the ball. Looks a lot like they did uh, the last couple of years, except for they don't have a whole lot of marketable names on the outside at receiver. They are a distant third in the ACC in my mind, even with uh, top two quarterback in all of college football in Drake May. Uh, fourth, we got Pitt here. Pat Narduzzi hates the transfer portal, absolutely despises it, and he will tell everyone that he gets in contact with about it. That being said, doesn't hate it enough to not take Phil Jerkovich away from Boston College, who is basically the only good player on Boston College's team. That team's going to stink this year. We'll talk about them in just a second. Um, outside of that, I don't know who the hell else is on Pitt's team. I, I assume Pat Narduzzi, for all the shit I'm giving him right now, though, very good college football coach. He will get this team playing. Uh, maybe they're not going to be in the upper, upper echelons of the ACC, but never count out Pat Narduzzi to get an eight-win season, eight- or nine-win season there out of his keister right out of the gate there. Uh, look for them to do uh, some, some better things than maybe people are expecting uh, for those Pitt Panthers. Duke, sneaky good. Sneaky, sneaky good team. The only problem is they play a murderer's row of a schedule. They play all top six of the top six uh, odds teams for the ACC heading into this year. I believe in week one, they play Clemson. Um, that's a sneaky possible upset spot for Clemson right out of the gate there. But Mike Elko, uh, Riley Leonard there, I believe, is the is the quarterback. I could be totally wrong on that one. I think I just heard it today on a podcast, and I'm just Viewing it out to you right now. Don't know what they got on the defense, but as far as uh, the co coaching is concerned, Mike Elko, very good coach. Got a really solid quarterback in there as well. And they were, I mean, a nine-win team last year. They face a murderer's row of a schedule, but they could be very feisty this year. And because they face a murderer's row of a schedule... Maybe they don't compete in the ACC, but they are in prime territory to take a big old fat stinky piss in someone's Cheerios. Watch out for them to be dangerous uh, when they go to your uh, your uh, resident 
favorite's uh, house throughout the course of the year. Did I say that properly? Who cares? I'm going to keep it moving. Uh, Syracuse, shout out to Garrett Schrader, man. Former Mississippi State quarterback. Turns himself into a downright serviceable starting quarterback. Love to see it after that famous fourth Fourth down helicopter play his freshman year at Mississippi State versus Kansas State. Did he get the first round? No, but it, it looked really, really cool on the way to not getting there. Uh, love to see him succeeding at the college level. Uh, don't know about the rest of his team, though. They kind of lost some guys uh, throughout the offseason, be it through transfer portal, um, also the, through the draft as well. Uh, well. We'll see what's going on there. They, they came out hot last season, really pittered out down the stretch. See if they can put together a whole season this year. Louisville, um, the rare team that gets their head coach poached in the offseason and somehow, I think in most people's eyes, upgrades with the new head coaching hire. That is uh, stop speaking in, in subtext here. Scott Satterfield going to Cincinnati as their new head coach gets hired away over the course of this offseason. What does Louisville do? They go out and get Purdue's head coach, Jeff Brom, who was an absolute assassin there in the Big Ten over the last couple years. Brought Purdue from absolute obscurity to one of the more explosive high-octane offenses in the entire conference over the last couple years. Brings a bit of an air raid style. Uh, had Aiden O'Connell there last year, uh, last last couple years actually, just tossing the pigskin around, putting up points and some of the big boys getting upsets here and there. He goes to Louisville, I think actually brings in maybe more of what they were they thought they were getting with Scott Satterfield coming over from App State. I think they might actually be getting it with Louisville uh, and Jeff Brom this time around. And they have an easy, I mean, the cupcakest of cupcake schedules. I mean, they play absolutely no one this year, and they are an outside shot to win the ACC or at least get to the ACC championship based on that alone. They have an easy, easy schedule this year. Uh, watch out for for Louisville to maybe not be getting ranked very highly because of that easy schedule, but start reeling off wins here early and often. Um, I like I like what Jeff Brom is doing over there. I like Jeff Brom as a head coach in general. Interested to see what Louisville does over the course of this year. Uh, NC State, you know, they lost Devin Leary to the portal. Uh, he goes to Kentucky. We'll talk about them in a bit here, really at the end of this podcast. So give it a while, but I'll get to them. Um, what do they do, though? They get Brennan Armstrong from UVA in the portal. Uh, really just dealt a death blow to UVA. They are going to be a god-awful team this year. We will talk about them in just, just a minute or two. But um, I see NC State being roughly similar to what they've been over the last several seasons inconsistent but okay offense solid defense on the other side you know eight wins maybe nine wins if they get lucky here and there I think they're an okay team not going to be punching up to the big boys weight class I'll tell you that right now uh Wake Forest man oh man oh man the cupboard is empty absolutely bare I mean Sam Hartman uh, you just saw him scoring a bajillion touchdowns against Notre Dame this past week, or with Notre Dame, he, he scored a bunch of touchdowns against Navy this past week. That's where he transferred over the course of this offseason. A.T. Perry goes to the NFL, and they have got absolutely no one there right now. I mean, Wake Forest might be one of the worst teams in the ACC right now, and uh, I hope all the best for him. Nothing but peace and love, uh, hopefully, going over there. Um, the censor, I'm not going to read that out loud. I'm not, not going to read that out loud right now. That's a, that's a text that, that can't be read out loud. I'm just in, I'm in broadcast mode, so I can't, I can't respond to that. 
but Wake Forest, just take my word for it, probably not going to be good. If they made a bowl, it would be an absolute miracle after all they've lost over the course of this offseason. Uh, Georgia Tech, not good. Not good, guys. They, I, I don't think I need to see it, say anything more except not good. They haven't been good for a while. They won't be good this year. Uh, end of story. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, Miami parted ways with both coordinators over the course of this offseason, but had a monster portal and recruiting class, bringing some good re- good contributors on both sides of the ball. Uh, they got an absolute monster true freshman five-star tackle in Francis Malgo, who will start from day one. Uh, he's looked like an absolute freak so far uh, from the offseason things that I've been hearing from basically just Josh Pate. I don't I don't have any connections in that world, but I, I Francis, Francis Malgo, listen to that name. He's going to be jumping off your screen right away. Uh, you're going to be surprised that he's a true freshman because he's a massive, massive human being. And uh, they've got a very good offensive line there. Mario Cristobal seems to be putting something together. they got a long way to go from where they were last year. I think finishing 5-7. and seven. Um, Look for them to maybe go like... Eight wins, eight and four throughout the course of the regular season. See what they do in a bowl from there. I think they will be. They will not be as bad as they were last last year. Uh, Josh Gaddis was a mistake hiring an offensive coordinator. Uh, frankly, I don't know who they have in now. Sue me. I'm I'm not very good at keeping uh, keeping tabs on who the coordinator hires are there uh, down in Miami or most places for that matter that aren't Mississippi State. But they should be better than what they were last year. Only improving. I mean, again, I, I kind of subscribe to the notion that, and, and call me a crazy person, but I think you give a head coach three years to see what they're doing. Uh, three years, think about it, get your first class in first year. By that third year, those guys are juniors. They should be rising up into the starting lineup, and then you can kind of see what you got there. I say give Mario Cristobal three years before we start passing judgment, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. I think they're going to be an okay team this year. I don't think they're going to be competing for the ACC title or anything like that, but I think they'll be a solid eight, maybe nine win team throughout the course of this year. Uh, Virginia, at least you got basketball, man. I mean, only good offensive players have been poached throughout this offseason, so Good luck to you. Hope you get a win or two this year. Uh, Boston College. I mean, Boston's a cool town full of fun, but, you know, aggressive people. Take solace in that because your football team is going to stink this year. And with that, that's the ACC. If I had to guess, I mean, obviously it's going to be either Clemson or Florida State if you're guessing right now. My lean is toward Florida State just based on the experience on on both sides of the ball. Uh, This is a team that is built to win right now, this year. This is going to be probably, I don't know if it's going to be their one shot because Mike Norvell's got that thing rolling now and he's got good recruiting classes coming in. But this is maybe the best shot you're going to get in a couple years. I think they're going to capitalize on it. I think they're probably, not probably, I think they are going to win the ACC. That's just my guess though. Hard to say it here in late August. Uh, whenever we're getting started with this thing. But that is the ACC. Uh, Let me get a a quick sip of this choice caffeinated beverage. Yep, that's tasty. Here comes the burp. Yep, that's disgusting. There's aftershocks as well. All right, let's talk about the Big Ten now. First and foremost, let's start with the winner of the Big Ten last year, Michigan. Uh, it's worth reminding you all that the NCAA is Jim Harbaugh's bitch, and so is Ohio State. Uh, 
Two years in a row, I think they've beaten Ohio State, going for a third year in a row. Uh, probably the best backfield in the country, pound for pound, between Blake Corum, who was on possibly a Heisman tear last year uh, before getting injured late, and Donovan Edwards, who's a former five-star running back. Uh, they've still got J.J. McCarthy there as the starting quarterback. they got a hell of a defense. They should be right at the top of the uh, Big Ten once again. Consensus here with the people that know things, this is kind of a three-team race at the top of the Big Ten right now. We'll talk about each of those three teams. But Michigan, strong team once again. And they will be playing basically like they have the last several years under Jim Harbaugh, just punching you in the face and likely right, likely running for 300 yards and winning by 40 in the process just about every single week. Uh, Ohio State, no idea what they're going to get at quarterback. Is it going to be Kyle McCord? Is it going to be Devin Brown? I think Kyle McCord has officially been named the starter at this point. But will he stay in the starting lineup? I don't know. What I do know is they have one of the best backfields in the entire country. Maybe not pound for pound as good or highly touted as the Michigan one, but Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson, nothing to sneeze at. Very, very good uh, starting backfield. Two guys that came in the same class together. They've been there last two years just, excuse me, wreaking havoc in that backfield. Uh, they've got the Blitnikoff winner of last year, probably a top five pick in this upcoming draft in Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, living up a lot to that namesake. I'll tell you what right now. He is an absolute physical freak. And that's not all they had. They got a Mecca Buka out there. They did lose Jackson Smith and Jigbo. But if there's one thing we know about Ohio State, it's wide receiver you, man. They just keep reloading and reloading and reloading. And that defense on the other side, JT Tumaloao, a guy that you may have heard of a little bit last game, absolutely wrecked a couple games last year. I think the Michigan State game in particular, he was a monster in. He's probably going to have to step up big time this year, but that defense is going to be oh so ferocious this year if I had to guess. Ohio State should be right back there in the thick of things once again down the stretch, uh, but they're not going to be alone in the Big Ten because a third team that is really, really uh, starting to make waves this offseason, Penn State is shaping up to have the best team that James Franklin has ever had while in uh, State College, PA. Starting at uh, not a true freshman, second year player in Drew Aller, former five-star quarterback, big, big mean cuss out there at quarterback. He's a highly touted guy, probably the most highly touted guy to take over thus far. They got a nasty defense over there. They are just absolutely loaded with talent on both sides of the ball. Drew Aller steps in after, you know, the 10 years that Sean Clifford played for, for Penn State. Um very good things being heard over there. I think there's a lot of hype around Drew Aller this year. Um, if he lives up to that hype, this team is going to be every bit as good as those two I just mentioned, Ohio State and Michigan. Those three, though, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Those one of those three, if not two of those three, are going to make the college football playoff in all likelihood unless they just absolutely cannibalize each other and maybe get another loss in there throughout the course of the season. That's your three-team race, though, in the Big Ten right now. It is going to be a fun, fun watch to see those teams throughout the course of this year. Uh, Purdue lost Jeff Brown, like I just talked about, to Louisville. Aiden O'Connell is now Jimmy G's backup with the Raiders. Uh, so prepare for pain. That's pretty much the only thing I can say. If they make a bowl, it'll be a miracle. That's that's really all I have to say about that. Illinois, uh, Brett Bielema is back in the Big Ten. Bielema ball is back in full swing but they lost a bunch of players to the draft on both sides of the ball. Uh, got 
uh, Luke Altmeyer, I think is his name is, former Ole Miss QB that didn't stick at Ole Miss. I don't think very highly of him, but maybe that's just my Mississippi State bias because he's a former Ole Miss guy. I don't know. They lose Chase Brown as well out of that backfield. He got drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, you may remember. Uh, they got a bunch of guys on the defensive side that got drafted over the course of this last season. So they're replacing a lot of guys, but they've got some guys that are very excited about a receiver over there. Uh, Luke Altmeyer, we'll see what happens there at quarterback. Uh, defense, we'll have to see what goes there. But, you know, Bielema a ball is an effective style of play that wins you games that you may not expect to have won before. So... I'm not counting them out. I think Illinois is going to be okay. They're going to be feisty, and maybe they give a couple of those teams at the top a run for their money throughout the course of the year. Who's to say? Um, Iowa, offensive coordinator is the head coach's son. That offensive coordinator's contract basically says uh, score 25 a game or get the hell out of town, and the whole team can't stop gambling on their own team. The Cyhawk game was an absolute controversy fest. I'll tell you what, on both sides of the of the, of the the coin there, we'll talk about Iowa State here in just a bit, but Iowa, I mean, they got a bunch of players suspended for gambling on, on just basically that game and just gambling on games throughout the course of the season. Uh, that being said, still might win 10 games because the Big Ten West is an absolute joke and Iowa still plays absolutely nasty defense. Best uh, scoring defense in college football last season, if I'm not mistaken. So, Looking forward to more 10-7 final scores in Iowa City this season. That's where I'll leave that. Uh, Minnesota, P.J. Fleck is still there. Do I know a single other person on that team? No. No, I don't. But P.J. Fleck is still getting the boys going. Look for another 7-6 and six year uh, down there in Minnesota. I say down there. It's definitely up there, but I'm not changing. It's down there. Uh, Maryland, Talia Tongavailoa, uh, brother of Tua, better at not getting concussions, I'll tell you that right now, is back for one more year with Mike Loxley at Maryland. Uh, Mike Loxley's been doing a very good job at Maryland, uh, but he's you know got his work cut out for him. In the Big Ten East, you're, you can only be so good. They're getting rid of that division format after this year. Thank God the, the divisions format uh, directionally is a joke. I mean, it's a joke in the SEC, too. I mean, Mississippi State's been trapped in the SEC West for uh, time and memoriam. I'm ready for that to be done. I mean, I'm going to miss uh, the rivalry games with, you know, like LSU and Auburn from, from year to year. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be great to not have to play that SEC West schedule every single goddamn year. I think Maryland's feeling the same way about the Big Ten East having to play Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan every single goddamn year. But they have to play them one more time. So I think they'll be similarly eh, okay like they were in 2022. Uh, Wisconsin. Brace yourselves for culture shock, people. Luke Fickle is the new head coach over there. He got poached from Cincinnati, and maybe the biggest shocker, shocking hire of the offseason. I, I don't think anyone thought, I, I certainly didn't think he was going to leave Cincinnati for any other job other than Ohio State. I guess Wisconsin just gave him an offer he simply couldn't refuse. He goes over to Wisconsin, and not only do you have Luke Fickle there, Luke Fickle now brings in UNC's high-octane offensive coordinator, Phil Longo, with him Plug in former SMU quarterback Tanner Mordecai for his 11th year in college football, and this offense is going to look dramatically different from the Paul Christ era. I can guarantee that right now. It's not going to be ground and pound, uh, three yards in a cloud of dust every down. It's going to be. It's still going to be physical just because of the personnel they have. But I expect a lot more downfield shots. I expect a lot more 
uh, explosive offense. If you watched any of Phil Longo's offense at North Carolina, you understand that uh, this offense is going to be a fun thing to watch if they can do it the way that Phil Longo wants them to. Uh, worth noting, though, Braylon Allen, my favorite physical freak from two years ago when he was a, just a... Uh, just a babe, a, t- a 6'2", damn near 240-pound freshman uh, just running through people, getting like seven yards of carry. He's still there, probably his last year in college if he knows what's good for him. Um, should still feature heavily in the backfield this year, which is why I think they're still going to have a big physical element. You, you'd be stupid not to with having Braylon Allen in there and with you know just being first year out of the Paul Christ era. has to be a little bit of easing into that, that new way of life, if you will. But expect a lot more explosive play from that offense this year. That This Wisconsin team is going to be one of the big question marks throughout this year, and I am excited to see what they put out on the field this coming season. Uh, Michigan State, boy, have things gone downhill for Mel Tucker since he signed that $95 million contract before last season. Uh, had a terrible year last year, bad defense, and all they did this past offseason was lose their starting quarterback, Peyton Thorne, and best wide receiver, Keon Coleman, their two best players on offense last year, uh, to the portal after spring ball, no less. They were on the team for spring ball. Then that portal period opened up after spring ball. Both of them got out of there. Uh, Peyton Thorne now with Auburn. Keon Coleman, like I just talked about, is down with FSU. Both of those guys, I think, in probably a little bit better situations than than they were with Michigan State. So with all that said, I don't see this team being better than last season. I see them probably being worse. And what does Michigan State do? Because they are basically trapped in that contract with Mel Tucker because of how crazy that buyout is. This is not a Texas A&M situation where Jimbo Fisher is dealing with the oil money where you, that buyout would have to be $100 million for those boosters to even bat an eye uh, and not fire Jimbo Fisher if he has a bad year this year. Uh, it's not like that at Michigan State. they got some wealthy donors, but they're not that wealthy. Um, Mel Tucker's not going anywhere, and I just don't see it getting any better. Boy, are things about to get uncomfortable up there in East Lansing. Um, up next, we got Indiana. Can't even name a single player on this roster. Not even going to lie. Maybe they'll be good. Maybe they'll be bad. I don't know. I don't feel qualified to even answer that right now. Uh, Rutgers, Greg Schiano has yet to reclaim that old glory from his previous tenure at Rutgers, and I don't see that changing this season. I think they're still going to be pretty bad because it's Rutgers. They're, they should be a basketball school. The basketball team looks like it's going to be good this year. So take solace in that. You just kind of grit and bare your teeth through football season. Boy, there it is, basketball season right around the corner. You'll be you'll be there in no time, guys. You just got to get through this uncomfortable part. Uh, Nebraska, good news is you got Matt Rule, who I think will eventually get this team competing with the big dogs in the Big Ten. I think he's shown that time and time again, wh- whether it be with Temple or with Baylor before that. We can just forget about the Carolina Panthers because that's pro ball. That doesn't even count. Pro ball doesn't matter when it comes to a college football head coach's um, acumen at coaching college. Just look at Urban Meyer. Absolute psychopath that could win games in college. Absolute psychopath that no one liked in the NFL and lost every single game, basically, that was worth a damn. So that's cool. Matt Rule will get this thing going eventually. Um, Bad news is Matt Rule almost never does well in year one. You can go back to Baylor. You can go back to Temple. You can go back even farther before that. He is not a very good year one coach. A lot of instilling culture in that year one. Maybe it's a little bit different in the transfer portal era. Uh, Maybe they'll be better than they were last year. The bar is not particularly high uh, to exceed what they did last year. But 
I don't think they're going to be uh, competing nearly at a level that they will be down the road uh, this particular year. Uh, it's going to be going to be a rebuilding year. So hopefully there's an exception. I don't see that being an exception this year, though. I think they're going to have kind of a down year. But look forward to the next two or three years. I think Matt Rule is going to have this rig rolling sooner rather than later. Excuse me. And final team in the Big Ten, we have got Northwestern. And uh, this team was already shaping up to be the worst in the conference. Then Pat Fitzgerald, longtime head coach there, got some NFL looks throughout the course of his time at Northwestern. He got fired for a hazing scandal throughout this offseason, and uh, it'll be a miracle if Northwestern wins a game this year. They are just putrid, terrible, uh, one of the worst teams in all of college football this season. So that's, that's your Big Ten preview right there. And if I had to guess, you know what? Hmm... Do I, do I pick Penn State? Do I think they've got what it takes? I think they got what it takes to maybe win this year, but I think maybe they're a year ahead of schedule. I think they're going to have an even better team next year. Who am I thinking? It's either either Michigan or Ohio State. You know what? I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Ohio State. I think Ryan Day is backed up against the wall. I think he knows that if he doesn't win against Michigan this year, he's not going to get fired, but things are going to get very, very uncomfortable for him uh, this offseason. I think there's a desperation there. I think they have a loaded roster there outside of the quarterback, and uh, I think I think they get him this year. I think they get Michigan, and they win the conference um, of the Big Ten, probably go to the playoff on that strength. If they don't go to the playoff, I would be absolutely shocked if they won the Big Ten. Uh, but there's your Big Ten preview. Let's look at the Big 12 after I get another sip of this Choice Caffeinated Beverage. Ah, that is so sweet and so good, man. You ready for the burp? Here it comes. Yep, there it is. No aftershocks this time because it's a little boy, just a little baby burp. Uh, but first and foremost... It's absolutely disrespectful of me to put TCU before K-State, but TCU was the one that made the college football playoff last year, so felt only right to put them first in the Big 12 preview. They did make it to the national championship last year and earned the privilege of getting absolutely steamrolled by Georgia in one of the worst national title games I have ever witnessed with my own eyes. Uh, they lost basically every offensive contributor on that team uh, to the draft. And they basically all got drafted by the Chargers, like I talked about in the AFC West preview. Um, basically, all of the Alabama castoffs they got in the transfer portal. Uh, but eight and four would be a big time success for them this season, in my eyes. They got a lot of stuff to replace. Um, in the Big Twelve is just such a competitive conference. They got so luck. They were a lot like the Vikings of college football last year, where they got. So lucky, and a lot of it was obviously good coaching from Sonny Dykes down there, putting them in situations to succeed, but a lot of it was just pure, straight up, pulling it out of your ass luck that you can't just replicate year over year. I don't think TCU is going to be as good as they were last year, but that's no... That's not really a shot at them. That's just kind of how great they were last year, just winning close games. It'll probably be a down year, but that's not a bad thing in TCU. You still got a very good head coach, and you're building something down there at TCU. Take solace in that fact. Up next, K-State coming off a Big 12 championship. People forget they won the Big 12 championship last year. Uh, they got the privilege of getting steamrolled by Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. That's a very forgettable one. Bryce Young scored like five touchdowns and just yawned and, and slept on the sidelines for the entire fourth quarter. That's how bad the game was there uh, with K-State last season. Uh, but they did lose Deuce Vaughn. Uh, return a promising young quarterback in Will Howard, though. Uh, that'll start from the very beginning this year. Uh, you may remember Taylor Martinez was there this past season. Um, had 
injury concussion issues, didn't play down the stretch, but then you found out Will Howard is an absolute dude with K-State. Chris Kleiman absolutely getting the boys rolling there with K-State at head coach. And they retain much of that core from last season. I mean, don't sleep on K-State in the Big 12 race again this year. They may push for 10 wins once again. And who knows, they might come out of the fray once again and be in the Big 12 championship. Who's to say? Uh, Texas, this has got to be the year for Sark in, in Texas right now, man. I mean, they have maybe the most loaded receiving core in the entire country from Xavier Worthy, a possible Heisman candidate. They got A.D. Mitchell out of the portal from Georgia. Uh, Jalen Nair, or Isaiah Nair, I can't remember. Nair, the guy's last name is Nair, didn't play all of last season after transferring in from Wyoming, I want to say. He should be a big-time contributor this year. Um, who else they got? Jordan Whittington back there for the 17th year down there in Austin. I mean, just absolutely loaded at all levels. And yes, they lose uh, Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, but they have like two absolutely stellar uh, guys backing up, uh, coming into the backfield as well. Good offensive line. Quinn Ewers still there, uh, former five-star quarterback. Didn't have the greatest year last year, but first year in Sark's system, maybe second year will be better. And this is probably the first time in a long time that they've had SEC caliber talent on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, straight up uh, transfer from Arkansas. Name escapes me right now. I've been absolutely killing it in camp at safety. They are absolutely loaded. If Sark can't put together a 10 or 11 win season with this team, he may never do it. It's just straight up, he's got to do it this year. Uh, this should be a playoff contender. This should be the front runner in the Big 12 right now. They are that good of a roster. Just got to capitalize. You have to win this season if you're Steve Sark Sarkeesian in Texas. Uh, Texas Tech. Sneaky good team down in Lubbock right now. They got uh, they they return starting quarterback Tyler Shug. Uh, have a rising star ahead coach in Joey McGuire, who's going to get poached before long. Don't you worry. Uh, they're going to be making some waves this year. This is a team that could piss in some Cheerios all throughout the course of 2023. There are several teams in the Big 12 that fit that description. This is going to be a fun conference once again. Uh, let's look at Oklahoma State, though. They lost basically the entire team to the portal, but they play an absolute cupcake schedule, and Mike Gundy always seems to find a way to come out swinging when his back is against the wall. I'd be shocked if they were if they were in the hunt for a conference title, but I wouldn't be shocked if they finished uh, better than last season. I think they may be eight, nine wins, uh, kind of, you know, being competitive towards the end of the season. Uh, Mike Gundy's letting that mullet flow. I would imagine that, talking about One America News on live television, Telling the truth, my friend. You know, you know what I'm saying. Uh, that's basically what I'm thinking about uh, Oklahoma State right now. Uh, Baylor, Dave Aranda can coach his ass off, man. I'll tell you that right now. Had a down year last year, but uh, I don't expect that for two years in a row, man. Plain and simple, the defense will be better this season, and the offense should improve uh, as well under another year of Blake Shapin at starting quarterback. Do not sleep on this team. Another one that could piss in some wholesale Cheerios this year. Uh, Kansas, another team you shouldn't be sleeping on. Once again, uh, running back Devin Neal, uh, preseason Big 12 Player of the Year, quarterback Jalen Daniels, both returning after a hot start to last season. If Daniels can stay healthy this time around, because he did get injured last season down the stretch, which kind of you know derailed their hot start to the season, this could be another team that makes another bowl appearance, could be even better than they were this past season. Watch out for the Jayhawks. Not a, not a phrase you're ever going to hear me say probably again. Lance Leipold's got the boys playing 
with Kansas City, with can not Kansas City, just Kansas right now. Kansas, what a what a what a great state for football right now between the Chiefs and the Jayhawks and, and Kansas State for that matter at the moment. Corn and football. That's what's going on there in the state of Kansas. Uh Oklahoma. Boy, are things going to get loud for Brent Venables if he can't get this this rig rolling in 2023. The defense was terrible last year, ranked in the hundreds. Uh, offensively, they were good, but Dylan Gabriel couldn't stay on the field for uh, for portions of the year. Uh, they signed a good recruiting class and brought in some good pieces in the portal, but this should be a bare minimum of eight wins. Otherwise, the temperature gets turned up very, very high on that seat for Brent Venables. Watch for Oklahoma to make some waves this year. They probably have the most talented roster in the league outside of Texas. If it all shapes out, those should be your top two teams, but we'll see. They yeah, Oklahoma's bad last year, so there's no guarantee of that whatsoever. Uh, West Virginia, I have no idea how head coach Neil Brown still has a job, uh, but I'm willing to bet money that he won't by the end of the season. I'll just leave it at that. Iowa State, well, they were bad last season, and, and apparently uh, the in vogue thing to do on, in Iowa is gamble on the Cyhawk game, which, you know, Iowa State did as well. They won't have their starting quarterback, Hunter Deckers, for the entire year because of that. Uh, so they'll be, you know, without that starting quarterback, and their best receiver, Xavier Hutchinson, went to the league, uh, did not gamble, just, just went to the league last year. So uh, Matt Campbell's got his work cut out for him this year, but he's a damn good coach. If anyone can do it, he can, he can find a way to make some waves. And like I've been saying the last couple of minutes here, pissing some Cheerios uh, along the way. Cincinnati, they made possibly the most questionable hire of the offseason at head coach, getting Louisville's head coach Scott Satterfield after Wisconsin poached Luke Fickle from them. They basically lose every contributor from last year, year's team uh, and are now entering a Power 5 conference. So it's going to be an uphill battle for Cincy this year. I do not expect them to be very good at all. Uh, UCF, this may be my dark horse to win the conference overall, man. Gus Malzahn's got the boys playing, man. UCF returns basically every major contributor, including quarterback John Rice Plumley. Uh, Gus Malzahn built a team how he wants to build it, and now they're breaking into the Big 12 where it's anybody's ball game. Watch out for the UCF Knights this year. They're going to run the football. They're going to be fun. If that defense is even serviceable, which it really wasn't last year, but if it's serviceable this year, they can make some waves in the Big 12 this year. Watch out for UCF in this conference. Uh, Houston, well, wasn't a great defense uh, last season, and they lost their best player, uh, wide receiver Tank Dell on offense, who went across town to play for the Houston Texans. Uh, many of the preseason polls have predicted them in last place in the conference, and that would not surprise me at all. Uh, Dana Holgerson, another guy that's got his work absolutely cut out for him in Houston. Last one in, in the Big 12, we got BYU, the Storm and Mormons finally in a conference, shirking that independent label. And hey, they got Keaton Slovis starting for what feels like his 18th college team there uh, after he transferred from Pitt over last season. Uh, faring better than his week one counterpart last year, uh, Jaden, not Jaden Daniels, JT Daniels now starting for food and rice, also down in Texas. Uh, BYU famously not in Texas, but I digress there. Uh, outside of that, I truly do not know uh, anything about this team. Don't think they'll be storming out of the gates in the Big 12, though. Uh, probably going to be a, a mid-sort of year. They did lose their starting quarterback, uh, Jaron Hall, uh, to the Vikings. So thank you, I suppose. He'll be like a second, third string guy, but yeah, thank you. Um, there's, your, there's your Big 12 preview. If I had to guess, this... Texas has got to win the Big 12 this year. This is a put-up-or-shut-up year for Texas. Steve Sarkeesian 
has to put all the pieces together. There is no excuse for them not to win 10, 11 games and make a playoff push. Full stop. They have to win the Big 12 this year um, or things are going to get loud. That's that's all I got to say about that. Moving on to the Pac-12 as we barrel through this uh, lightning round preview of college football and the Power uh, Power 5. For my money, it's a swan song for the Pac-12, but man, this is the most fun conference in America right now because every single team has a quarterback, and uh, USC, no exception. The one thing I truly learned from Week Zero is that this is the same exact team as last year. Exciting offense with the reigning Heisman winner and likely number one overall pick, Caleb Williams getting those uh, Patrick Mahomes sort of comparisons for good reasons. He is a freak out there. An arsenal of weapons, including uh, Zachariah Branch, true freshman, five-star wide receiver, got two touchdowns in, in week zero versus San Jose State. Look for him to flash on the screen basically all season. They, they got another good one there uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Loaded all over the offensive side of the ball. The problem is uh, just a putrid Terrible defense led by Alex Grinch, who must be either engaged in a passionate love affair with Lincoln Riley or have blackmail on him because I have no idea how Grinch is still Riley's DC after all these years. He was the DC with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma for basically his entire time there as well and never had a great defense. I have no idea why Lincoln Riley keeps this guy around, but good for him for finding a way to stick around and be a coordinator after all these years of mediocrity. It's what we should all aspire to, quite frankly. Just keep on getting jobs after being mediocre year after year after year. That's the dream right there, baby. That is the dream. I see USC being basically the same exact team as last year, though. Uh, Washington. Same core returning from last season, minus running back Wayne Talawapapa, and the presumed starter, whose name escapes me right now, uh, did go down for the year. So, former Mississippi State running back, Dylan Johnson, likely going to start from what I understand. Um, hey, good for him for having a, an opportunity to go out there and show what he's got. He played very well with Mississippi State when he was on the field over the last couple years under Mike Leach's system. Similar sort of system there with Kalen DeBoer, uh, sort of air raid style. Michael Penix, very good uh, quarterback there as well. Uh, looking forward to seeing Dylan Johnson play some meaningful snaps, man. I mean, good for him landing on his feet after transferring out of Mississippi State. I hope for the best for the guy, man. I understand why he was out of there uh, after after Mike Leach unfortunately passed away. Hate to see it, but love to see him land on his feet. But I mean, they got quarterback Michael Penix. They got wide receiver uh, Roma Dunze, who led the, all of the Pac-12 in receiving last year. The question with basically every team in the Pac-12 is going to be defense. But that offense, no questions there, man. Michael Penix might be the third QB off the board in this coming draft as, as well. Like I said, every single team, it feels like in the Pac-12, has got a quarterback in some way, shape, or form. It is, it's going to be a fun year in the Pac-12. Uh, moving on, we got Oregon. That was the last of my notes that I put down here, folks. So we're just just firing at the hip right now. Oregon, they lose offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham to Arizona State this past offseason. That's probably the biggest question mark because Bo Nix looked spectacular in Kenny Dillingham's offense last year. Can he replicate that uh, this coming year uh, in a new offensive system? Well, I assume it's going to be a similar offensive system. Will Bo Nix be the same player this upcoming season? That's going to be a big determinant on how far the Oregon Ducks get. But maybe the best defense in the conference upcoming this year outside of maybe Utah coming up. But 
Very good offense, underrated running back in, uh, God, Bucky Irving. Very good running back uh, on the backfield there. Uh, good receivers, good defensive line. Oregon should be right there at the top of this conference. Maybe, I mean, hopefully you would assume being in the conference title game and pushing for a playoff spot when it's all said and done. I like Oregon this year. Uh, Utah, Cam rising back for his 15th year in college football. Will he start week one? Who's to say? We'll find out on Thursday whenever they take the field versus Florida. Cannot wait for that. But assuming he's there towards the back half of the season, they're still, I mean, Utah is just steady Eddie, man. They, they have a bunch of guys you probably haven't heard of. Cam Rising's there, just ho-hum. And next thing you know, they're going to get 10 wins, probably be in the Pac-12 championship, maybe spoiling a trip to the playoff for somebody else. This is just what, this is just what, uh, Utah does throughout the course of their uh, their their illustrious history in the Pac-12 thus far. That's just who they are. I expect nothing less for them. They will be their usual solid self throughout the course of this year. Probably give USC a run for their money. Always a good matchup in that one. Uh, Oregon State. They were the recipient of a transfer quarterback by the name of DJ Uyunglele from the Clemson Tigers last season. Uh, he'll step in as the new starting quarterback there. Um, very good offense there but from John Smith. That sounds like a fake name. Uh, sounds like an absolutely fake name at, at the uh, the head coach over there, but has got the boys playing. Uh, Oregon State, kind of the odd man out with the, uh, the breakup of the Pac-12. I hope they land on their feet somewhere. They got good athletic programs. It's just a matter of uh, finding a home for them. I hope they end up somewhere over the course of the, this season, uh, but the Pac-12 is about to implode on itself. Well, it's already kind of imploded on itself like a dying star, but uh, I hope Oregon State lands on its feet. This year of college football, though, they won, quietly won 10 games this, this past season. They might be even better this coming year. Very good offense. Always question marks about the defense, but what else is new in the Pac-12? Watch out for Oregon State. They should be good this year. Uh, UCLA, questions at quarterback now that DTR is with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, that being Dorian Thompson-Robinson for the uninitiated. Thank you for thank you for showing up. Thank you for paying attention. Um, it's either going to be... Uh, they got an incumbent there. It's been with uh, Chip Kelly for the last several seasons and then not started behind Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Uh, Dor Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Yep, that that's the name. I just stumbled over it uh, once again, but... I digress on that front. It's either going to be the incumbent guy that was the backup the last couple of years. They also got Colin Schley, the quarterback at Kent State this past year. Uh, he might start some games. They also got a very highly touted uh, true freshman quarterback. Um, Jesus Christ, his name was just in my head. What's his What's his name? UCLA uh, quarterback. Oh, goodness. I, I got to look this up real quick. Oh, UCLA freshman. QB. That's right. Dante Moore. My goodness, am I a fucking idiot. Dante Moore uh, might get some playing time down the stretch of the year. He might actually beat out anyone who is in that starting lineup. And he is uh, he's probably the best quarterback that Chip Kelly has had since, I, I want to say, Marcus Mariota, man. It, it's been a long time since he's had a quarterback of that, uh, of that ilk, of that variety. I mean, DTR was a highly touted guy coming in. Dante Moore looks the part as well, man. This this could be a very, very good quarterback down the line uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, watch out for UCLA this year. They're going to be right in the thick of things when it comes to the Pac-12 title at the end of this. Um, Washington State, another odd man out when it comes to the, uh, the breakup of the Pac-12. I don't know much about this team, quite frankly. They've got a, a solid incumbent quarterback. Um, 
good enough team. Probably going to be a 7-6 and six ball club if I had to guess, but they'll be right in the thick of things till the very end. Maybe not in the Pac-12, but they'll be feisty if nothing else. Um, Arizona, uh, they've still got Jaden Delora there starting. He's the starting quarterback outside of that. I don't, I don't know. They play Mississippi State very early on in the season, so that, that should be fun. Good times if you're interested in that sort of thing. Uh, will they be good? Probably not. Probably not very good at all. Uh, Cal, probably going to be even worse. I mean, they were terrible last year. Don't see a whole lot of improvement in that football program this year. Just Grit and Barrett, guys. You're another odd man out in the Pac-12 breaking up. One of the four teams remaining in the Pac-12 after the season. Which, if you didn't know, I think you need like eight teams to have be considered a conference. So, good luck with that. They, they seem to be in quite a precarious situation athletically right now. Uh, Arizona State, Jaden Rashada. Talk about another highly touted quarterback uh, you may remember his name as part of that NIL controversy with Florida. Uh, he was going there, was making a big-time NIL check, and all of a sudden uh, the check was bad. He decommits from Florida, now goes to Arizona State, and he will start year one right out of the gate as a true freshman for Kenny Dillingham's Arizona State Sun Devils. Uh, will they be any good? Who cares? They got a bull ban this year. Self-imposed, which is like, it's one of those things like, yeah, maybe we're going to win four games, but you know what? We're going to take this opportunity. We know Herm Edwards did some things wrong in the past with the NCAA's eyes. We're just going to we're going to self-impose a bull ban. You guys don't have to do it. You don't have to call us heroes. We know we're heroes, but we don't need you to say it. We're going to we're going to self-impose a bull ban. Uh, see if see what the NCAA thinks about that. Uh, but hey, Arizona State Going to be interested to see, if nothing else, what Jaden Rashada does in his first year as a starting quarterback right out of high school, pretty much. That should be fun to watch. If nothing else on that team, that should be fun to watch. Uh, Stanford, who the hell even knows, man? They're terrible last year. Probably not going to be any good this year. They're another team as an odd man out in the realignment of the Pac-12. Good luck. One or two wins. Don't see a whole lot else happening there. And maybe the most intriguing team that's not going to do anything in the Pac-12 this year, uh, Colorado overturned like 70% of the roster through the transfer portal. Unprecedented movement in the transfer portal this year. And, I mean, it's basically exactly what Deion Sanders wanted coming in from Jackson State uh, this coming year. Get rid of the, the, the one-win stink off the program. Bring in a bunch of new guys. Some guys you brought along from Jackson State. A lot of others he got in the transfer portal elsewhere. Uh, they got a. They landed a five car, st- five star cornerback uh, this year. In guy's name escapes me, but they got a five star cornerback uh, out of the recruiting class this year. I think best corner in the recruiting class uh, in in 2023. He'll be on campus. They got Travis Hunter who plays both sides of the ball. Uh, well, might I add, he plays wide receiver and plays corner on the other side. So they got two five-star corners uh, playing for Colorado. Uh, young guys, but should be good contributors. Got Shadur Sanders, definitely not a nepotism guy, but he is the four-star uh, quarterback that will be quarterbacking the Colorado Buffaloes this year. Are they going to be any good? No, they will be probably bad. Uh, if they win four games, that'll be a success. If they get to a bowl game, that will be, I mean, pop the champagne bottles. They are going to be partying if they get to six wins this year but that that should be your expectations for Colorado I think Deion Sanders gets this rig rolling at some point but uh temper your expectations on the the initial runway here for Colorado that's what I got to say about that and if I'm predicting the conference man I just don't feel good about USC winning this conference and after seeing what they did in week zero I just don't think they got the horses to do it um 
Give me Oregon, okay? I think Bo Nix is going to be damn good this year. I think they got probably the best defense outside of Utah in the conference. Give me Oregon to win the Pac-12 this year and possibly make a run at the college football playoff. With that said, though, let's talk about the best conference in all the land, folks, the SEC. And I'm not just saying that just because I root for a team in the conference. It is a objective fact. The SEC is the greatest conference in all of college football. But before we get to that, another sip of my choice caffeinated liquid. Oh, that's good. That is good. The burp's coming here in a second. I'll tell you that right now. There it is. <clears throat> little aftershock there. Tiny little aftershock there. You might have caught that on the uh, on the microphone there. But with that final sip, let's get straight into it. Starting off with Georgia. I got no notes. I'm just going straight off the dome like I did with most of the Pac-12. Uh, they're starting a new quarterback after Stetson Bennett's 14 years at Georgia. Um, got Carson Beck in there now, five-star guy. I don't think they're ever going to be starting to walk on quarterback there ever again under Kirby Smart's tenure. I'll just tell you that right now. Carson Beck, more of a pocket passer than Stetson Bennett, less mobile, but he's got a hell of an arm. Uh, should be, I mean, ample ample weapons to work with. I think Ra Ra Thomas, I know Ra Ra Thomas is in there, former Mississippi State wide receiver. Haven't been hearing great things out of Ra Ra Thomas in, in camp this far, but He's there. Uh, you got maybe the greatest tight end of the last generation of college football and Brock Bowers. Uh, just a stable of offensive linemen. Uh, they, they lost their starting running back before the season. That'll be an interesting one to watch how that all plays out. But they're always perpetually loaded with talent on the defensive side of the ball. Georgia's going to be right there once again. And they play in the SEC East. So, yes, they will play some tough teams because it is the SEC. But at the end of the day, they got the, about the greatest cupcake schedule that you can get while playing in the SEC when it's all said and done. I would be shocked if they did not go to the SEC championship and play somebody out of the SEC West in Atlanta come January or no, no, December, whenever they play that game at. Uh, Alabama. Not going to be the QB play you've seen over the last several years. There is no Mac Jones. There is no Bryce Young. There is no Tua Tonga-Vailoa there. Uh, you have got a, a riveting quarterback battle between Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, and transfer quarterback Tyler Buckner. Um, what they do have, though, is a nasty front seven, just disgusting front seven full of five-star talent up and down that thing. Great secondary behind that front seven. A road grading offensive line. Maybe the best offensive line they've had there in the last several years, even with all the success they've had on offense over there. They've got a stable of backs. And I'll tell you right now, I think Joyless Murderball is back in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, man. I think they've got, outside of the quarterback, such a good roster and a roster that is built to just grind people to death. I think... There's a bit of a question of who's going to start at quarterback right now. I think Jalen Milrow is going to start at quarterback because he's the best athlete and can run from that quarterback position. And I think they may lead the nation in running yards this year. I think they're going to be that good on the ground. I don't know what they're going to get out of their receivers. I don't think it necessarily matters as long as they can make a few plays to get the chains moving on long down situations. I think this defense is going to be fantastic. I think the offensive line is going to absolutely grind people to dust this season. And I think they're going to run for a bajillion yards and win a bunch of games this year. I think they might be the best team in the SEC West, even without a consistent starting quarterback uh, when it comes to throwing the ball. This Alabama team is going to be very, very good this year. Do not be fooled by the lack of a great thrower on that team. Every other part of that of that team from top to bottom 
is going to be ready to win a national championship this year. I guarantee you that. Uh, LSU, another team that's right on the doorstep. They got to the SEC championship last year, kind of pulled that one straight out of their ass and then got absolutely demolished by Georgia when they got there and then uh, paid it forward in their bowl game versus Purdue. Just absolutely just decisive. Chopped their heads off. I mean, like scored 60 points on them in the bowl game. Um, Brian Kelly's out there eating grass after the game. I mean, just a fantastic sight to see. And of course, Harold Perkins still has to be there for two more seasons, which is just unfair. Uh, They've got Jaden Daniels, one of the best returning starting quarterbacks in the SEC, coming back. Uh, Malik Neighbors, very, very good wide receiver. One of the best wide receivers in the SEC uh, coming back as well. And they've got good offensive line, good defense outside of Harold Perkins. I mean, just a really solid team overall. They will they will challenge Alabama for that SEC West title. I think a lot of people have LSU winning the SEC West, even with Alabama having the roster that they have right now. Uh, they will be very, very good this year, I can guarantee you. If that Brian Kelly... It's only up from here, man, too. This is only year two. They had a great portal class. They had an even better recruiting class. LSU is just getting started into the Brian Kelly era, man. It is going to be a fun, fun thing to watch uh, now that they're not going to be in the same division as Mississippi State going forward. Tennessee uh, lose Hendon Hooker over the last year. They lose Jalen Hyatt, lose Cedric Tillman, but they do still have Squirrel White. Uh, they do have uh, another guy whose name escapes me that returns from last year, but was also very good. I mean, they're going to be loaded with receivers from here until the end of time just because of the, the style of offense that Josh Heifel plays. Very, very attractive uh, for a wide receiver to come in and play. But what I'm most intrigued to see is Bazooka Joe Milton, the man who tossed an orange 120 yards in the lead up to the Orange Bowl last year, the orangest Orange Bowl of all time, facing off uh, Tennessee versus Clemson. Uh, played very, very well in the last couple games. I think Josh Heupel's offensive scheme is going to set him up for the best uh, amount of success possible. And he's got an absolute cannon, probably better than 90% of the quarterbacks in the NFL right now, arm strength-wise. He's got a crazy, crazy arm. If he can control it, just kind of uh, get some consistent accuracy in the short to intermediate routes, I think Joe Milton's going to have a hell of a year. And this is really the litmus test for how QB-proof is Josh Heupel's system? Is it really just one of those things where you can step in and basically make anyone into a star? And if Joe Milton's not not cutting it, Nico Iamaliaba is just sitting there. Number one quarterback in this pass class. Uh, he will be there next year. He will probably take the reins for Joe Milton next year when he inevitably Joe Milton uh, graduates, goes to the NFL. Uh, Nico's going to be sitting there. But for right now, I think Joe Milton is is set up to have a very, very good year, and I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see every single throw he does because he, again, Bazooka Joe, and he earns that name. Um, The big question, though, because I think the offense is going to be pretty much good no matter what. uh, How is that defense looking? If it looks better than it did last year, I mean, maybe the record won't reflect it, but they may have an even better team than what they had last year coming out this year, Tennessee. I mean, Josh Heupel got the rig rolling there in Tennessee in a way that I frankly thought might have been impossible after the last just disastrous couple head coaching hires. I mean, starting with Derek Dooley and just going down the line pretty much. I mean, well, I guess start with Lane Kiffin going to Derek Dooley and just going down the line from there uh, pretty much. Josh Heupel seems like he's going to be there for a long, long time, getting a lot of success with the Tennessee Volunteers going forward. Well, let's talk about a team that's near and dear to my heart, that being Mississippi State, the Bulldogs, a team that if you ask the media is just dead in the water right now. I mean, just 
I mean, picked to finish like last in the SEC West by all those dumbass journalists who don't know a damn thing about college football. Um, Vandy was picked to, to finish ahead of Mississippi State, which is an asinine thing. I mean, Vandy, Vandy beat Hawaii by seven points this week, man. They barely beat Hawaii. I mean, what an, what an embarrassment of the media profession that there were media members picking Vandy to finish ahead of Mississippi State. Mississippi State's returning 19 of 22 starters. Uh, not even that. 19 of those 22 starters are seniors this coming year. Seniors, I say. One of the most experienced teams in the entirety of the SEC. They got a new offensive system there with Kevin Barbe coming over from App State. They're going to go four deep in the backfield. They still got the best quarterback in the SEC. Yeah, I said it. Will Rogers, the best returning quarterback in the SEC coming back in a new offense. I think he'll adapt fine. Uh, anyone talking about, oh, is he going to adapt to being under center? 90 plus percent of the offense at App State under, under Kevin Barbe was not under center. It was in the shotgun, you absolute buffoons. Uh, watch a game while you're at it, guys, but before you come out here with the criticisms. I think the offense is going to be very good. I think it's going to be a differently structured team than it was under Mike Leach. Uh, Zach Arnett, going to be much more defensive minded. I think they're going to ground and pound a lot more. It's going to be a lot more balanced than it was under Mike Leach. I think you're going to get, again, Three to four deep in the backfield, and you're just going to keep rotating guys in and out. I mean, Woody Marks is still back there. Uh, Simeon Price coming back for another year. Um, you can just keep going on and on. They got a, a transfer in from Penn State as well. I mean, they are absolutely loaded in the backfield right now. Good offensive line. Uh, question marks at receiver at the moment, but. With the way they run this offense, I think that they should be getting ample one-on-one -on -one opportunities on the outside to take advantage of. And that defense should be every bit as good as it was last year. Returning the top two tacklers in the entire conference this last season in Jet Johnson and Buki Watson. This is going to be a very, very good team. Make no mistake about it. Um, don't do not believe what the media tells you. They're going to finish better than most of the teams in the SEC West. They're going to finish right behind that top echelon. Book it right now. You can come back and quote me on this later when it actually absolutely falls apart. If it falls apart, I don't think it will though. I think Mississippi State is going to be right there. Um, definitely not an LSU's level. Definitely not an Alabama's level. But right in that tier, right behind them, I think they're going to be better than Ole Miss. I think they're going to be better than Auburn. Um, are they going to be better than Texas A&M? We'll talk about that in just a second. But let's talk about Ole Miss. Um, interesting sort of quarterback situation they got going on there. Spencer Sanders transfers from Oklahoma State, uh, comes in, was the presumed starting quarterback, but there's a real uh, quarterback competition between uh, Sanders, Jackson Dart, uh, Walker Howard coming in from the uh, from the LSU team. Uh, they think very highly of him over there. No one really knows who's going to start at quarterback right now. I'll tell you right now, though, they have the best running back in the conference right now in Quinshawn Judkins. That dude is a fucking monster. I mean, as a true freshman, just torched the SEC. The toughest defensive conference in all of college football just made him look like children. And Ole Miss was one of the top rushing teams in all of college football last year. Will the defense play up to the level of the offense, though? That is the eternal question uh, under under Lane Kiffin's tutelage. Uh, they got the uh, Alabama defensive coordinator there, uh, whose name escapes me. Uh, Pete Golding, that, that's his name, the new defensive coordinator with Ole Miss, former defensive coordinator with Alabama this past season. Um, they brought in Sunterine Perkins, who was probably on Pete Golding's radar when he was at Alabama and just, you know, brought that little little nugget with him to Ole Miss. Five-star linebacker, best player in Mississippi uh, in this past recruiting class. He'll probably start right away, and he's an absolute physical freak 
over there. Um, by all accounts, should have a good team. I mean, that had a really good portal class, uh, solid recruiting class. It's just a matter of putting all that together. I'll tell you right now, though, I still think Mississippi State's going to be better just because they're more experienced um, and they just got, you know, more heart. All right. They got more heart. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know about all that, but I, th- I do think Mississippi State's going to be better just based on the strength of experience, better quarterback play, uh, solid backfield play, better defense. I, I do think Mississippi State will be better than Ole Miss this year in spite of what these preseason polls are telling you. That's just hype boys being hype boys, man. You can't listen to the hype boys all the time. Uh, let's move on, though. South Carolina, uh, Shane Beamer looking like an absolute crackhead on the sidelines, but getting the boys playing and recruiting his damn ass off, man. He's getting five stars in there that South Carolina has not been getting since, like, the Jadavian Clowney era with Steve Spurrier. He's got the boys recruiting over there, got the boys playing, still got Spencer Rattler returning at quarterback, new plague caller um, after that, uh, at that, that disastrous uh, season for most of last year. See how it works out there on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I'm trying to think who else they got in there. I mean, they got a really solid uh, sort of roster overall. Uh, the problem is they play in the same division as Georgia, so they're not going to win that division. They could be feisty, though. Uh, watch out for that North Carolina-South Carolina matchup this weekend. That should be a dandy of a matchup. Uh, I expect a lot of scoring in that one just by just based on the uh, on the merit of Drake May being on one side and the North Carolina defense being on the other side. That's really all you got to know there, but... Look for South Carolina to be kind of on a similar uh, level to what they were last year. Shane Beamer's got that program moving in the right direction, though. I like what he's got going uh, down there in South Carolina. Big question mark. Will Dowell Logans uh, do well as the offensive coordinator? Yet to be seen, but we will find out very soon in the season. Um, Excuse me. Just got to rumble out a burp there real quick, and then we'll just keep it all moving. Kentucky. Um, another team that, you know, always seems to fly under the radar, but, you know, just ends up with eight, nine wins in a given season. Uh, they lose Will Levis uh, this past offseason, but is it really that much of a loss? Who's to say on that side of things? They replaced him with an objectively better college quarterback, though, I'll say, in Devin Leary coming over from NC State. Um, got I mean, the offensive line can't be any worse than it was last season. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, I'll, Jesus Christ, I can't think of the name right. Will Levis, I just said it, and I couldn't think of it there for a second. Will Levis just got absolutely killed behind that offensive line last year. Uh, should be improved from what it was last year. The defense always seems to be on the cusp of doing great things there with, with Kentucky. They were probably the second best defense in the entire conference last year, and I expect a similar sort of output uh, this coming season. Again, not as good as Georgia, but should be good enough to be feisty throughout the course of this year. Watch Watch for Devin Leary to have a big year down there uh, in Kentucky. Uh, probably his last year of college football, f- football before he goes off into the NFL. Uh, Arkansas. If you believe Arkansas fans, they got the best best quarterback and the best running back in all of the land in uh, Rocket Sanders in the backfield. Uh, tried to give myself time to think of the quarterback's name because it just absolutely um, just slipped from my mind, man. I got to look this up. I'm going to feel like an absolute idiot when I see this name because I, I can hear it on the tip of my tongue who the starting quarterback is. Ah, uh, starting quarterback. Yes, yes, yes. KJ Jefferson. Jesus Christ. Again, I am an idiot. Absolute idiot. KJ Jefferson, uh, solid dual threat quarterback there. Um, loses Kendall Bryles, so that's going to be a big time question mark. This will be the first season uh, with Arkansas that KJ Jefferson has not had Kendall Bryles as the offensive coordinator. Had a couple really good years under Kendall Bryles. Uh, we'll have to see what this new era 
has in store for him but does still have Rocket Sanders, who may not be the best running back in all of, all of the, the SEC, but a very, very good running back, a guy that's going to be drafted in next year's draft if he comes out, uh, and K.J. Jefferson, very, very good quarterback as well. Uh, the question after coming off of last season is, how is that defense going to do? All they did was lose players this offseason, pretty much, and... I don't know. They, they gave up a bajillion points to Kansas in the bowl game this past uh, past season. Um, I don't see the defense being much improved over last year, but that offense should be fun. I mean, Arkansas got the makings of a very fun team. I just don't think they got a, uh, the makings of a, of a competitive team, and I think they will finish worse than Mississippi State this year. I'm just, you know, being a homer, I'm going to frame a lot of these in the, uh, in, the, in the reference of Mississippi State uh, and how they're going to finish. Uh, the media has Arkansas finishing ahead of Mississippi State, so they're wrong. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, Florida. Talk about a guy that's under a lot of pressure. Uh, Billy Napier might get fired this year if he doesn't have at least a serviceable year down there in Florida. Uh, he brings in Graham Mertz from the portal. He'll be the starting quarterback this upcoming year after they lose Anthony Richardson to the draft. Who's going to be the receiver? Who's going to be the running back's? Who's to say uh, they need to improve from what they did last year, though, if Billy Napier wants to stick around? Defensively, will they be better? Dude's got his work cut out for him, and I'm 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 skeptical to say the least. They have a tough, tough road test in week one going to Utah. Not only going across two time zones to play in Utah, but going up to elevation in the high desert, probably a close to a mile high of elevation there. I mean, it's going to be an absolutely lit atmosphere there in Salt Lake City week one, but it is about as challenging as you can get. It is as challenging for Florida this year as the Utah trip to Florida was last year. Uh, I'll say that right now. It's going to be a dandy of a game on Thursday night, though. Tune in because it's going to be just fun for the entire family. Uh, leave the kids at home, though. This is going to be a fun one. Um, there you go. Uh, Florida. I don't have high expectations. Their, their win total is set at five and a half for a reason. Billy Napier got his work cut out for him down there in Florida. Uh, Missouri, Elijah Drinkwitz has put his foot directly in his mouth on several occasions throughout the course of this offseason. Sound like a nerd on a lot of occasions, but I'll tell you what. Dude's been recruiting his ass off, man. Got a five-star defensive lineman over the, the course of this past couple weeks uh, committed there. That's not going to help this year. I'll tell you that right now. But in the coming years, Elijah Drinkwitz has got them moving in the right direction. And moving in a direction that Missouri has not been moved in really since they came into the SEC. Had Blaine Gabbert for that one year and made some noise uh, very early on in their SEC tenure. Has not really shown a pulse up until recently. But they have got a very good defense, um, an improving offense. I don't think they'll be bad this year. I just don't think they'll be uh, good enough to win the SEC East, and that's really what we're kind of all, all looking at here as far as what they're going to do competitively. I think they'll probably be better than they were last year, though, and they might end up having the uh, one of the best defenses in the conference when it's all said and done. But uh, temper expectations because it is still Missouri. I like what Elijah Drinkwitz is building there in Missouri, though. Uh, Auburn, the man is back, man. I mean... The, the steak oil salesman of all steak oil salesmen. And, of course, I am talking about Liberty's finest and uh, a great head coach formerly of Ole Miss. I am I am blanking on the name right now. Jesus Christ. Why, not Willie Fritz. He's down at Tulane. Um, Jesus Christ. i got to look this up, too. What, what is wrong with me? What, what is wrong with me? Auburn head coach. Who's that? 
Who's that? Hugh Freeze. Jesus Christ, I'm a stupid fucking idiot. I, hour, hour and a half-ish into this, and I'm just it's falling apart at the seams here. Um, got a very good recruiting class in, though. A good recruiting class, good portal class. Got Peyton Thorne in from the portal. Uh, brought in uh, a couple guys from Liberty as well. Um, I don't think they're going to be that good this year, though. I think they're going to be okay. I don't, I don't think they're going to be, like, bad by any stretch of the imagination. I just don't think they're going to be that great. Um, I think in all likelihood, I don't think they finish ahead of, of Mississippi State when it's all said and done in, in the SEC West. Um, I do think Peyton Thorne is an upgrade over what they had last year at quarterback, but that's the bar was set very low for what they had at quarterback last year. Um, lose Tank Bigsby to the draft. Um, I guess they bring in some guys there as well, but it's a big wait and see sort of year for Hugh Freeze and Auburn. I, th- I don't know if year one's going to be that good. I think uh, if anyone fits the ethos of Auburn that comes in as a head coach, it, it was not Brian Harson last year. Hugh Freeze absolutely fits the win by any means necessary ethos of Auburn. So I love that culture fit. I think as as the poet Brandon Walker so eloquently put it, they're either going to win a national title or they're all going to prison. Just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. It's a it's a perfect culture fit there in Auburn. I just don't know if year one is going to be that smashing of a success in Auburn this year. Texas A&M, probably the most interesting team to watch uh, through the course of this season if you love drama. And boy, do I love myself a little bit of drama here because they bring in Bobby Petrino as the new offensive coordinator. They play caller for who's to say how long, uh, but... That is going to be the dynamic that makes or breaks the year for Texas A&M. Will Bobby Petrino come in and revamp this offense, get that rig rolling in a way that it has? I mean, basically, you remember back to last year, Devon A-Chain was the entire offense. He was spectacular, to say the least. Don't get me wrong. But they had bad quarterback play. Um, Seems like an outdated offensive scheme. Evan Stewart is an absolute freak on the outside. Very, very good receiver. But... The offense just did not click throughout the course of last year, did not play well, no matter who who they put in there, whether it be Connor Wegman, uh, Haynes, uh, any of the other guys they tried out out there, did not work out throughout the course of last year on offense outside of Devon A. Chain. Can Bobby Petrino come in there and take the reins, make this into a team that scores 30, 40 a game? Will, will Jimbo Fisher be disciplined enough in his own right to let Bobby Petrino take this offense to another level, or the second he sees struggles, is he going to take the reins and bump Bobby Petrino to the side? And more importantly, from a from a, a just a petty perspective, how many blowups are we going to see on the sidelines between Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino? Because that is gasoline and fire right there, man. It, Blow-ups are going to happen. It's just a matter of are they going to happen behind the scenes or are they going to happen on the sidelines? This should be a drama-filled, fun year in Texas A&M. Either, hey, there are two options here right now, man. Either Bobby Petrino shows up and they're a high-flying, very good team with a really good defense that's competing for the SEC West, or on the flip side of things, uh, Jimbo Fisher can't get out of his own way, and it is just an absolute shit show the entire year on offense. Uh, they finish like 5-7 and seven once again, and Jimbo Fisher ends up getting kicked to the curb because there is no amount of money that those Texas A&M boosters won't pay if Jimbo Fisher does not produce once again this year to get him the hell out of town. Either way, no matter what the outcome is, it's going to be fun to watch down there in Texas A&M, man. It is going to be a fun, 
fun year to watch that team in College Station go out and play. Just a matter of what are they going to do. And uh, the odd man out here, Vanderbilt, they're going to stink. I'm just going to put it out there right now. They're going to absolutely fucking stink. They only beat Hawaii by seven points. That is a team that when you play Hawaii, you should be winning by a large, large margin. Uh, Vandy, even Vandy was favored to win by seven, or favored by 17 and a half going into that game. Uh, Hawaii covered with ease, only losing by seven points. Uh, Vandy, that may be the only win they have the entire year. I mean, that may, that may be a little bit of an exaggeration. They'll probably get a couple out-of-conference games because... At famously, the SEC out-of-conference schedules a bunch of cupcakes. Never mind that basically everyone has a Power 5 matchup sprinkled in there somewhere, and basically everyone in all across all of college football have cupcake matchups to start the season. But Vanderbilt, uh, once again, the SEC, it's going to be a tough road to hoe, I'll tell you that right now. And if I had to look into my crystal ball and uh, wrap this whole thing up with an SEC prediction, man... Ugh, my gut wants to take Alabama so bad. I don't I don't think Georgia, it's going to be a little bit, I mean, a down year by Georgia standards. I think they're still going to get 10 or 11 wins. Um, maybe they fall at one point, slip up a little bit during the course of the season, probably get a win in the regular season, then probably lose in, in the conference championship. will probably keep them out of the playoffs. That's still a down year by Kirby Smart standards. So I, I think there's, they're going to have a quote-unquote down year and not win the SEC it's either going to be Alabama or LSU, though, I feel like. LSU is going to be right there when it's all said and done. I, You know what? I'm doing it. I'm taking them. I think LSU is going to win this conference. I think they got a better quarterback than Alabama. Um, I think the rest of the team is comparable enough to where they'll compete. That Alabama-LSU game this year is going to be must-watch television. It is basically every year, but this year in particular, that is going to be must-watch television over there in Tuscaloosa. I believe that game is being played in this year. But I got LSU uh, winning the conference this year when it's all said and done. That LSU-FSU game in week one this coming weekend, boy, oh boy, set your clocks for it. Make sure nothing else is going on because that is going to be the must-watch game of week one. I cannot wait for this whole thing to get going. And there you go. All the teams in the Power Five, I just previewed them for you in a quick hour and a half long uh, podcast here for you. But there we go. We're done. Uh, Thank you for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. We are doing this thing uh, twice a week. Now the football season is back in full swing. We've got Tuesday's episode being NFL, Thursday's episode being college football. Um, I, I, I reserve the right to move that around as I see fit, but for right now, we're going NFL on Tuesdays once again, college football on Thursdays once again. And uh, if you want to keep up with all that, subscribe to either Spotify, YouTube, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, Apple for that matter. I listen to all my podcasts on Apple, so why wouldn't you listen to all your podcasts on Apple unless you don't, you don't have an Apple phone? But, you know, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, get it wherever you get all that sort of stuff. Um, Follow me on Twitter, X, whatever the fuck it's called nowadays, at Caleb Verzak. Link will be down in the description so you have to spell my fucked up Eastern Block name. If you want to contact the show, either shoot me a DM on, on X, uh, which I'll probably be more responsive there anyway, so just do that probably. But if you want to go the old-fashioned email route, I got an, I got an email, unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com, unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. Just put whatever the hell you're trying to tell me in the in the subject line, or at least a, a general gist of what you're trying to tell me in the subject line. I'll get back to you as soon as I possibly can, or just get back to you on the show when it's all said and done. Uh, with that, though, 
I think we're done for the day. I think this has been a good episode of Unqualified Analysis. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, one thing I learned this week, um, India became the fourth nation in the world to successfully land on the moon when the Chandrayaan-3 landed last week. The budget for the entire mission was about $74 million less than the budget for the movie Gravity starring Sandra Bullock. That is the wildest stat that I have heard in quite some time. Crazy. $74 million less of a budget on the Indian moon landing than a movie about space starring Sandra Bullock. I'm just going to leave you with that one, boys and girls. Have a good week. Enjoy this start of college football. I am going to be just absolutely giddy bouncing off the walls. Man, we're back, guys. We're absolutely back. Have a good one. Peace out.